This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Greetings, Blenders, and welcome to episode 51 of Real Blend, a podcast hosted by a couple of children of men who are fighting gravity to interview the prisoner of Azkaban about Itumama Tambien. My name is Sean, wow. the managing editor. So we give you editor. a hard time last week because of a lack of intro, and you just come back firing on all cylinders. You just Listen. made up for for the for that last week's wow. introduction was so bad, Sean. So <laughs> yeah. thank you. You you can suck again next week. Well, well listen. I felt really horrible about just mailing you, it in for the first you episode. You should feel horrible about that. That was a it really was bad. bad introduction. Yeah. It was bad. I actually <laughs> want people, if they go back and listen to the 50th, just skip right to the two-minute mark. <laughs> that's, that's where it officially begins. Uh, this is number 51. I am Sean O'Connell, the managing editor of Cinema Blend and one of three illustrious Real Blend co-hosts joining me as always you might have seen him swimming around uh, a lake outside of Chicago, uh, Jake <laughs> Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. How are you, sir? Doing well, my friend. That is a reference to uh, too long of a story to tell on this podcast, but I <laughs> saved my dog's life uh, yes. from Lake Michigan over the weekend. And uh, and she's behind me on the couch and doing perfectly fine, but she is uh, alive because of me. You're welcome. Happy, a happy ending for Daenerys. And all yes. the way from New Zealand, ha- which is- Jake, you didn't happen to see Sandra Bullock go by on a boat with two kids in it, did you? From uh, Bird Box, girl, 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 girl. girl. <laughs> no, girl, I, uh, I. Uh, if you haven't learned from uh, this podcast, I have good taste in movies, so I uh, hey, don't hey, acknowledge. Hey, hey. It's not a wait, good. Wait. Don't don't get me into it. Bird Box is not good. Wait, but you, uh, real quick, before Sean does the introduction, that it is a crazy story, and we'll take one minute. You did actually jump in the water and save your dog's life. It's a pretty crazy story. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. What body she, of water she, was it? Lake Michigan. Oh my god! It's crazy, Which in January man. I imagine is pretty tepid, uh, right? Well, luckily I've I've uh, and this story is going to keep getting better and better. Luckily I'm prepared because uh, every year for charity I jump into the lake to raise money for Special Olympics. Oh, that's so right, you I do. Am, uh, yeah, I love so, that I, so you're I used am, to the cold. I, I do it every year. Okay. You're a Houston kid, honestly. Yeah, like yeah, you're I got never Texas, really used Texas to the blood. Cold. No, Texas God blood no. God, no. uh, you stumbled all over, Kevin. The fact that I'm introducing you from New Zealand. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy oh. is in New Zealand. It's actually, I think we're recording this on Monday night. It's actually Tuesday where Kevin is. That's what is the crazy. future like, Kevin? Yeah, I'm literally in the future. It's very. It, it, listen, I know that can be like a, a bit people can do when they're in New Zealand talking to people back in the United States, but it genuinely is very weird. That it's Tuesday afternoon here, and it's Monday evening where you guys are. I know Jake yeah. already did did this experience, um, but yeah, no, it's crazy. And, and first of all, and who I, wins I don't the mean Clemson that. game? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I, I already I knew bet Bohemian right Rhapsody won before, twenty four hours before it happened. Um, no, but <laughs> and you warned no one. I, <laughs> no, but I, I find it crazy though. And, and here is the thing: I, I don't mean to like like get like weird about technology but it is crazy to me to think that we are on skype right now yeah. i'm in new zealand sean's in north carolina gabe's in st louis jake's in chicago i can see you guys perfectly clearly uh, we're recording a podcast 
that's going to go up on the site tomorrow. I mean, it is kind of crazy what times we're living in. That a, a, a woman in Argentina, whose name I'm blanking on right now, who tweets us on on our so, on our Twitter account, says like, oh, rainy day at the beach. I'm listening to New Real Blend. She's just in Argentina. Nuts. Just listening to the latest Nuts. episode. Yeah, that's no, my 2019. mom. Um, I gotta, before I get to why Kevin is in New Zealand, I want to mention the, the, the reason for all the puns at the beginning of the show. Uh, they're all references to the filmography of Alfonso Cuaron. And we're going to talk about the Golden Globes. We're going to get into the winners, uh, what we think that this means for the Oscar race in general. Huge reactions. I'll let you guys know that the three of us stayed off of the text chain specifically to keep all of our Golden Globe reactions for this episode. Um, but last night, uh, Alfonso Cuaron won uh, two Golden Globes, a, a huge one, in my opinion, for Best Director. Uh, and we will have an interview with Alfonso and the three of us later on in the show. Uh, in yeah, we movie. will. And it's <laughs> yes. crazy because we talked to him two days before he won and yes. we had 10 minutes with him and it was awesome. And like for people, like he talks about gravity, he talks about the incredible cinematography in, in, uh, in Roma. Uh, you know, he, and people, don't, I, I still meet people who don't realize that he was the cinematographer on Roma. Uh, people are like, wait, he DP'd that film? Like really? Like, like people don't know. And, and that's the first major feature film of his that he's DP'd. I remember Sean and I were at the Q&A and he told, they told the story about Chivo being initially signed on Emmanuel Lebeski, who, you know, shot films like, you know, Gravity and, and Revenant. Um, but then scheduling conflicts happened and wasn't, wasn't Roma like a over 110 day shoot or something like that. It was a very long shoot for, uh, I remember him mentioning that in some Q&A I saw him, I watched him. I wonder what recently. Chivo's doing. What is Chivo doing I was just instead? about to ask, what is he shooting? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, obviously this would have been, this would have been, what, like a year ago? I don't know how long ago this was, but. Well, and to Alfonso's credit, it looks like a film Chivo shot. And I know yes. that they worked like really specifically on shots together and mapped out the look of the film. And so, I, I mean, I think Alfonso, and plus Alfonso was probably an award-winning cinematographer even before he shifted he into directing. Well, he he definitely did cinematography okay. prior to becoming like the the major filmmaker he, he is now. But I remember when I interviewed Sandra Bullock for Bird Box, I I had asked Sandra Bullock what she thought of Roma, uh, and thankfully she had seen the film, and she said that she brought up that Alfonso DP'd the Roma, and she and I said, yeah, it's his first major feature film DPing, and she said, yeah, but he's always had his hands in that. And just ask yeah. Chivo. Um, she even said, like, essentially said that, like. Him and Chivo simultaneously, in my opinion, from what I gathered from her answer, they're the ones who kind of worked on the cinematography together. It wasn't just Emmanuel Lebeski. Look, I'm not trying to, like, pat ourselves on the back or, like, you know, blow up this podcast or whatever. But I would like to just acknowledge that a little over a year ago, this <laughs> podcast did not exist. Yeah. And in, in, in a little over a year, we've gone from not existing to us just sort of casually texting, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we kind of did this for a few weeks, to having Alfonso Cuaron... On our podcast, which I think deserves a little bit of a pat on the back. I, and I, that is something I'm incredibly proud of. I think that is a massive accomplishment. I, agree. I also and want on a, I want to talk about how this is just full circle. Um, because people, if you've listened to one of our earlier episodes, I think we did it during the Toronto one. Um, we started like the first time the three of us got together to do anything on camera to talk about movies was following a screening of Gravity in yeah. Toronto where we gushed about Alfonso. And so the, you know, to, to get him for this project of ours uh, that we're doing is, is just so special to the three of us. And, and I, I got to give Kevin a ton of credit for doing the legwork to get him, to get him on the horn. 
Well, I'm just bummed that we didn't mention that to him because I, for people who don't understand how like these interviews work, especially in a satellite format, like so Alfonso mm. was in Los Angeles and we were we were in our different cities where we live. And generally speaking, when it comes down to interviews like that, you have four minutes uh, and we were lucky enough to get 10 with him. But even that 10 was was being pressured in the sense of. He's very, you know, he he likes to answer his questions very, very, uh, uh, you know, wor- wordy. He has Long a lot of answers, things he wants to say about Lengthy answers. And they're so in we depth. Were, You'll hear. Yeah, we were, we were all freaked out because we were like, okay, we have three hosts. And we'll, we'll get to this when we air the interview. Um, but it was, it's, it's a nerve-wracking thing trying to figure out and guide. But the way we handled it, I'm just happy the way it turned out. We all got to ask a question uh, and it didn't feel too rushed. And, you know, to Jake's point... You know, a little over a year ago, we were, you know, this podcast didn't, exi- didn't exist. And a little, little over a year ago, I actually had never seen Gabe rap me before. Um, so, so thank you, Gabe, for all the raps <laughs> that you've given me over the past uh, year. I appreciate that. Let us get to uh, the, the Weta trip um, because we will have the Quran interview uh, later on in the show. But Kevin is in New Zealand. Um, I am now officially the only Real Blend uh, co-host that's never been to New Zealand, uh, nor Weta. So uh, I will ask you guys all the questions Loser. about the experience. So Kevin hasn't done it. <laughs> Hasn't done it yet. Kevin, you haven't gone to Weta yet. You're just bumming around New Zealand so far. Right? Yeah. And Jake's already been here. And by the way, you got to go to YouTube, watch Jake's piece. It's incredible. Uh, I, I got teared up watching Robert Rodriguez direct Jake in a performance capture suit. Pretty crazy. Wait till it's you. Wait till it's you. Yeah. I don't I, know I, how you're going to. Whenever I was in New Zealand, I you could ask all the Fox people that I know are there right now. Every time I would do something cool, it was always partnered with me turning around and going, God, I wish Kevin were here. Because at the time, <laughs> we didn't know that there would be a second trip. No. And so that's that entire trip, I would I cannot tell you how many times, if I had a dollar for every time I paused and thought, God, Kevin should be here, I'd have like $18. Uh-huh. Jake didn't want me there, apparently. <laughs> I'm going to wear a diaper. I'm going to wear a diaper when I go, when I go it, in Well, there. no, you're only allowed to go to Weta if you love First Man. Oh, oh well, yeah. then that's that's fair. I'd rather stay that's home. That's true. Yeah, and, and actually, to Jake's point, Damien Chazelle is the is the security guard at the front door. Um, so like he like he like is the person. Wait, I love his other movies. Doesn't that count? No, you don't get to love them. No, no I can't take that no. back. No, I take that back. I don't think I, love I don't think he likes movies. that movie. To be honest with you, I think he realizes. But I got my. Oh, I got my cool. oh nice. Okay, wait. Rebel so Kevin is holding up Rebel Without yeah, yeah, a Crew. Yeah, you, you have to tell people what you're holding up. Yeah, you. Don't uh, have, so there's a book called visual. Rebel Without a Crew, which is a book about <laughs> Rodriguez making um, El Mariachi for seven grand in less than 21 days or whatever it was. And I, Rodriguez and Jake, Jake, I know feels the same way. He's somebody that I grew up on in high school. Like it's funny because James Cameron was my. Was my was my birth of my film loving element uh, with Terminator Two, but my high school was Rodriguez and Tarantino, yeah. so those guys were like my high school people who were like raising me in regards to movies. I mean, I, I would spend so many hours watching like Desperado, um, the special features, his ten minute cooking schools. Um, my favorite ever Blu Ray feature DVD feature is the te- is the all green screen version of Sin City where uh, he essentially sped up the film to like 500%, took all the effects out, just the green screen shots. Um, and I remember interviewing him for Sin City 2 and mentioning that to him, and he had forgotten that he wanted to do that for Sin City 2. So he, go, he took his phone out or something, and he goes, oh my God, you just reminded me of something. So he literally put a note in his phone 
to add that feature to the Sin City 2 Blu-ray, and then it actually is on there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's definitely cool. on there. I mean, awesome. obviously, this is something that, you know, it wasn't my idea. I just reminded him they did it on Sin City 1. But, um, no, I mean, it, 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 it's crazy. And Jake already did it. It's uh, Alita Battle Angel, which looks really cool. I'm, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Uh, and then tomorrow I actually do the performance capture. So if you watch Jake's video, you'll see Rodriguez is kind of sitting there, standing there with a the guitar. You walk in with your performance capture suit on. And you do an action scene while he's directing and scoring you, um, which I don't know how I'm going to be able to concentrate with him being there with a guitar and like, in the, great, man. like just knowing it's, it's him and like, you know, it's, 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 it's very, and knock on wood, I'm like, hopefully everything goes okay. And you know, he ends up being there and he doesn't get sick or something like that. So I'm kind of, I'm in that weird moment now where I don't want to get too excited yet, but I'm really excited, but I don't want to jinx it. So, um, um, yeah, it, it's really kind of a surreal thing, but Weta, Weta alone, just being here in New Zealand, Lord of the Rings, I, I just, I just came from the, the theater where they premiered Return of the King, uh, oh. at the Embassy Theater, uh, and Weta has this gigantic tripod they built outside of, um, the theater that has a gigantic camera, and in the tripod there's, like, Game Boys and, like, uh, Nintendo 64 controllers, PlayStation controllers. It was, it's so crazy. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the Jake knows this Weta workshop is here. Uh, you know, Lord of the Rings was filmed here. King Kong was filmed here. I, I want to go to the zoo because my first Peter Jackson movie I ever watched was Brain Dead, Dead Alive. And, um, part of that was filmed there. And I, I, I just kind of want to go down there. It's funny. My honeymoon, my wife went and I went to Ho- Hobbiton, but she wouldn't let me do Wellington. She's like, that's a little too, because Hobbiton too, uh, is, is, is North, that's Auckland, right? It's like Mata Mata, yeah. yeah. It's Hobbiton is one of the most Hobbiton. The way I describe it is literally walking into Middle uh, Lord of the Rings. It's it's as if you've walked onto the set of Lord of the Rings. Um, And I've been talking to people here who have done the Lord of the Rings tours down in Wellington, and they're not like they're saying it doesn't look too much like Lord of the Rings because everything was changed. Digital visual effects are added in, Um, but Hobbiton is just. It's like there's hobbit holes and like it is just surreal. Because um, well, so uh, someone, whenever I was there before, they told me that originally when they built Hobbiton after Lord of the Rings, they tore it down. And then yeah. when they came back to shoot the Hobbit, they they went yeah. back to that guy who owns the land and said, "Hey, can we build yeah. it again?" And he said, "Yes, but under the stipulation." That you build it as permanent structures because I want people because yeah. everyone keeps coming back uh, asking to see it and they're gone. I want people to be able to see it. Can you guys think yeah. of another location that has so embraced its identity as like this this complete film identity location? Like New Zealand. Yeah. See, I mean, like, I mean, you, you saw in the airport, all those pictures Kevin, of the like, airport, right? Yeah. Dude, what I the airport was else. insane. Like, like, and, J- and I remember seeing Jake's Instagram story when when he when he did he did this in October. Like, the, it, it is like it's full on Middle Earth down here, man. It's pretty. It's they pretty wild. Them. Yeah, it, and it's, it's great. It's great. It, uh, and it's funny. Yesterday, I, Boy, I, I forgot landed. you don't like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, I'm not a big fan. You, don't, what? you definitely don't get to go to New Zealand. <laughs> what is wrong with you? No, How do you not like Lord of the Rings? It's just so boring. Like they're all just the what same are you person. Talking about what are you, Sean? You, seriously, I'm man, sorry, you are all, insane. They're all the I, same person. No, I'll kid you. I'll kid you not. Like I literally, I cannot identify. Uh, the different people in the Lord of the Rings. Oh my and God. I was dude. doing a trivia competition here in Charlotte. It was like a multi week trivia competition thing. And each week leading up to it, I was listening to the other rounds of the people competing. And there was always a Lord of the Rings category, right? And it would be like, this elf, you know, was so and so with, and I could ne- never. So, like, the one time that I got, I landed on a round where you're able to 
give the other person a category, you know, like you, you get to pick what category they give. I immediately gave Lord of the Rings to the guy I was going up against and he tanked it. He got like one out of the five. Sure. And I knew I would not be able to answer them because they're all like Boromir, Florazine. Like they're, I just don't know who they are. I have no Sean, interest. I don't care. Sean, it's like I, I respect Bowen your Archery opinion. Guy. <laughs> I respect your opinion, but please. Ian McKellen. At least, at least admit one thing. Return of the King is an amazing film. It, just admit that, please. Return of the it's King am- is not the best Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's the, definitely the best Lord of the Rings. No, Fellowship sure. is the best Lord of the Rings. Oh, I disagree. I, I, ah. I'm, I'm reverse. I go, I go. See, Return of the King was the first movie you, wait, I ever you, I'm cut. sorry, you think Fellowship is the worst Lord of the Rings? But it's not even the worst. It's an amazing movie. Like, oh, no, like, no, there is no bad Lord of the Rings. No, yeah, no, 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 no. There is no bad Lord of the Rings. Mm. But if I had to yeah, write Fellowship is my least you, favorite. You shut it, <laughs> bottom right-hand corner of my screen. <laughs> Which one is Return of the you? King? Is that the middle the, one? The last one. That's the, that's the, the one of my best oh picture. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, nah, he's kidding. He's kidding. Don't, don't listen to that. He's, is that the one he, with Mr. T? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, truthfully, I, I swear to God, and and then I feel about those movies the way people feel about the Hobbit ones. Like when people finally caught on to the fact that those aren't good movies, is when they got to the Hobbit and they were like, "Oh, this is just overkill. It's just the same thing over well, and over again." That was repetitive. overkill because there was one book turned into three films. A hundred percent. But I, so, I do um, feel that way and about. And he didn't Lord of- have. Keep in mind, I I, I will defend it because I hate the Hobbit movies. I, I mean, Kevin, I don't know if you remember. I don't hate. We, the we did we did the Hobbit junket, the first one in New York, and we got <laughs> on a like shuttle. The and you looked at my face and you go, "You hated it," and I was like, "Oh, I hated it." <laughs> but Peter Jackson did not have the t- remember it was supposed to be Del Toro. Peter Jackson did not have the time to prep for the Hobbit oh, movies the way he did for Lord Del of the Rings. Yeah. So. And and that's that's why everything like was CGI. That's everything game. was fake. I mean, it was yeah. that. That's why there was nothing practical in there because he had no time. But see, I actually don't think the all the Hobbit movies are bad. I thought Smaug was actually pretty well done, and I thought Battle of the Five Armies had some good action scenes. I don't hate the Hobbit films, but I mean, clearly it could have been in, one or maybe yeah, two, two really good. Movies. I will I will legitimately say this: you could put a gun to my children's head. And show Dude. me ten minutes of any of those movies, and say identify which movie this scene is from. And no, I, I don't believe you. I, I would have to you. say goodbye to my kid. <laughs> I would have to be like, wow. I'm I can really show sorry. you the opening scene from Fellowship, and you would be like, oh, that's the, that's the, that's how Fellowship. Is. That's messed Maybe. up. Maybe I I would guess that that's where Bilbo is, and I'd say this is the beginning. This is the beginning. <laughs> that's all I would say. I don't know. I have no idea. Wow. I have no idea. Yeah. But either way. Either way. I'd, well, either way, Lord of the Rings. Sean, and I'm thrilled this, you're in New Zealand. I'm so happy you're in. You're there for Weta. You, well, you just ruined so my. Happy. You just ruined my entire trips. But but, here, but here's the thing. <laughs> because the guest appearance this week is Peter Jackson, who's actually waiting in Kevin's room right now. <laughs> Peter Jackson wave at somebody. He was like, "Come in." Is he's Andy Circus crying in my corner right now? <laughs> I mean, he didn't. He just. He just Tell had little engines. Hasn't he gone through enough? Oh yeah, gosh, brutal. <laughs> Sean, let me ask you this honestly: How sure. many times have yeah. you seen Lord of the Rings trilogy? Uh, once, pe- once per movie. Okay, can you can you try and watch it one more time? Yeah, sure. watch the best one, Fellowship. Fellowship's great. Well, I'm you, start listen, there. All right, well that that that's a good compromise. Watch Fellowship, and then if you don't love Fellowship, yeah. don't continue. Just give okay. it one more shot. Okay, I promise you, I'll give it a shot. And actually, I'm not going to take. I'm not, I'll do that as a bit for the show. 
I will actually rewatch it and we'll we'll get back into discussing Lord of the Rings. That's okay. Then, 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 then I think we all get to do that. We all get to recommend a movie that someone else like you two can pick a movie that I have to watch again that you don't like. Yeah. See, Jake's one of Jake's think favorite movies on. of all time is a movie that I don't love, which is Cloud Atlas. I'll revisit that. Oh yeah, oh, see, this Ooh, is kind of and that's fun. on Netflix. Oh, I like this. Oh my god! By the way, speaking of Netflix, I finally saw the lobster on the oh, plane ride right here. Lobster. I love yeah. the lobster. That's an incredible film. Have you seen mm. Killing like, of a Sacred Deer? No. So my oh. first Yorgos film was the favorite. <laughs> I know. Sean is freaking. <laughs> I know. Sean hates. Sean hates that filmmaker. I don't know why. Uh, dude, Sean Yorgos is an amazing filmmaker, dude. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that why. How you do not like him. The lobster I just was. Don't get it. I, I do think the favorite is my least favorite of his movies. Ironically, I can't. I want to see Sacred Deer, but I'll tell you right now, lobster. The way, by the way, and and Jake. Now that you've we've all seen the favorite, yeah. did you like kind of take a process as to what you saw through line from lobster to favorite? Like, there's rabbits in there, lots of yeah. wood shots. Yeah. I haven't um, seen. Um, I haven't seen Lobster and Sacred Deer recently enough to to have, to remember that, but that's interesting. There's a there's a lot like like I was watching Lobster and I'm like, oh my god, there's like a zillion things that he's continuing to weave into his films. Like the the rabbits is I mean, there's there's the one of the biggest themes of the Lobster is is uh, is Rachel Weisz's character her favorite food is rabbit, and then like at the end of Favorite, which I won't give too much away, but rabbits are a big deal. It's a kind of a crazy. I wonder if that's like a. I wonder if it's the same universe. But Sean, do you, you just want to just bail on this episode? I'm, I'm wondering why I didn't hire two other hosts for this. Pretty soon, pretty soon, we're gonna start. To, oh, do you want to? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to hire two hosts that don't know anything about film? Is that is that <laughs> yeah. is that the real blend that you're looking to yeah, create? You guys are probably pushing me out for Gabe. Gabe likes lo- favorite. I, I, I like all three of Yorgos's movies. I <sighs> love The Lobster and love Sacred Deer. I didn't love the favorite, but I like. I'm it. interested in watching Sacred Deer because I know that George from Dunkirk is in it. The little the kid. Oh, and it's I wanna, so good too. I, I know. I want to see it. I haven't seen it. Anyway, right. let's transition with the favorite and use that as our stepping stone into the Golden Globes, which is the first major awards show uh, on the Oscar race. As, as many of you guys know um, who uh, listen to this podcast on the regular, we started as awards blend. Uh, we love talking about the films that are going to compete for the Academy Awards. Um, we're heading into this weekend coming up. All three of us are going to be in Los Angeles for the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, which yeah, is we are. given out by the Broadcast Film Critics Association, which is a group all three of us are uh, proud to be members of. And so we're going to preview that show in a little bit. But let's go through the Golden Globes and our big takeaways. And I actually was very surprised by a number of the awards given out. Um, I don't, how far back do we want to go? We don't want to go into like a lot of the smaller categories. We just go with the big I think, ones I think right we did, Let's just do the big movies. All right, so your actresses, we'll start there. Um, we had, for supporting actress, it was, hold on, I'm going back through, Regina, Regina King, King, who yep. took it for If Beale Street Could Talk, and she beat yep. Amy Adams, Claire Foy, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz, who I'm guessing split the favorite vote, if they even yeah. got favorite votes together. Yeah. And, you know, it seems that so far Regina King is picking up the majority of these trophies, and unless she starts to lose a few, I don't see any of those yeah. other people I think coming you, through. Don't, I mean, don't forget, she didn't get a SAG nomination, but I don't think that's really going to hurt her. I mean, in fact, there was so much goodwill for her following not getting a SAG nomination that actually could have been beneficial for her in the long run. So when she won, Michelle said, because Michelle hasn't seen Beale Street, and she was watching the Golden Clothes with me last night, and she's like, oh, well, what part does she play? Is she really good in the movie? And I said, she's good in the movie, 
But, but the leads in Beale Street to me are so good. And how are they not getting a sniff at all? And Regina King is the the performance that seems to be the takeaway from this movie. Or I Brian don't get Tyree that. Henry. I right. thought to me, to me, the supporting actor category exists because people say, well, Brian Tyree Henry only had one scene. Yeah, but it's an amazing scene. And that's the sort of thing that supporting actor or supporting actress, that's why that category exists. Because if you have if you have a one 10 minute scene that people are still talking about a two hour movie, I'm OK with you getting an Oscar for that. Yeah, sure. I understand that. I actually agree about Regina. I think she's amazing in the film, but I think Kiki and Stefan Stefan are uh, in my opinion, they're the ones who shine. Literally, they're I mean, the they're, heart they're, of the movie. They're incredible, the, right? And, the movie listen, is about them. Regina had, does have that one scene, which is just unbelievably well done. And it's interesting because I, I, I always have a big problem with the way actors are put into certain categories. I think Emma Stone is a lead, a favorite. Yeah. I think. Well, Olivia, someone think Olivia, someone clocked it, and Emma Stone has the most screen time. It's Emma Stone, she, and then. And then I think Olivia and then Rachel has the least. See, to me, Olivia Coleman is the supporting character of the favorite. And it's Emma's story. It's her, her entire arc is going to the, the with Queen Anne. I mean, to me, that's why I find it so frustrating because like in that in that category and with those nominees, I think Emma Stone is the strongest performance along with a- Amy Adams. I don't I don't think Regina is not great. She's amazing in the movie, but when I think back on Beale Street. Uh, there are three or four things I'm thinking about before Regina. I'm thinking about Kiki and Stefan. I'm thinking about the cinematography. Barry Jenkins' direction, and, yeah. And I'm thinking about the score. The score, uh, a great score. By the way, that composer, uh, I don't want to butcher his name, I think it's Nicholas Bertel. Um, mm-hmm. He did the score for Beale Street and Vice. And his his composition is so incredible. Um, you know, Speaking of scores, I just watched Destroyer the other day. And I think that's Theodore Shapiro. There are some amazing scores, but last night, my God, when Justin Hurwitz won for First Man, I was I you'd be so happy. jumping up and down in the yeah, bar yeah. that I was so in. So there's a good I chance was... that we're going to live in a world where First Man is an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. And Probably. Sean, you have to live in that world. That's fine. I mean, listen, there are much worse films that have uh, have an Oscar. <laughs> like Suicide Squad. <laughs> right. Like, I, I mean, I think First Man has issues, but it's only because I want Damien to deliver five out of five Every single time, and if and he, he happens did. to not, well, uh, that's we, fine. we wanted that for you in your intros, and we don't always get that, do we? It's true, in but, we, that but we got category, it today. The takeaway from that category is Amy Adams. What does this poor woman have to do to get some kind of awards recognition? I mean, it's just it's become the the meanest running joke now at this point. Yeah. So, has she uh, never won? She's never no, won. Nothing. I mean, she's won wow. Golden Globes before, but not Oscars. Yeah, but I, I just thought for some reason she won already. No. I, 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 wow, that's crazy. And arguably her best performance, she didn't even get nominated for Arrival. Didn't oh, get nominated for Arrival. God. Such a crime. Arrival. That, <laughs> a crime. that deserved like a best picture, man. That was such a great movie. All right, supporting oh. actor um, by a uh, best performance by a supporting actor in a motion picture. Uh, Mahershala Ali won it for Green Book. He beat out Timothy Chalamet, Adam Driver, uh, Richard E. Grant, and Sam Rockwell. Do we think that that's deserved? I'd say yeah. deserved. I think yeah, out of those it's unfair because it's a lead. Yeah. It's a lead performance yeah. in the supporting category, so it's unfair. I, See, I'm, with I, I'm with Jake. I think Brian Tyree yeah. Henry needed to be in there and win. Like He is so yeah. good in, in Beale Street. Jake's okay, here, here, here's what I think. I think, even though he wasn't nominated for a Globe, Sam Elliott's still in the race because I think people oh. want to live in a world where Sam Elliott has an Oscar. I think the biggest hurdle for Sam Elliott is going to be getting nominated, and if he gets nominated... Then I think he's a front runner to win. 
Okay, so let's talk just for a second about this because we're going to get to Stars Born and, and the way it was treated by the Globes last night, essentially overlooked. Um, now that we know their results and the fact that they didn't give it picture, they overlooked Gaga, we'll get to those categories in a minute. Does the omission of Sam Elliott in this category altogether sort of speak to the fact that just the Hollywood Foreign Press as a body didn't really care yeah. for Stars Born? That's a that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, or, or, okay, are we are we transitioning over to Stars Born yet? No, not yet. We're we're okay. getting there. Because um, I've, I've, I've got some thoughts. Oh, good. I want to hear them. Uh, performance by an actor in a motion picture will do musical and comedy. Um, I, I mean, this one really, well to done. me, it was either going to be Vigo uh, yeah. for Green Book or Christian Bale. It ends up being Bale, who to and me gave— I really gave, thought after they gave Green Book screenplay, I was like, oh, Vigo gets— Vigo gets actors. The Green Book screenplay win to me is preposterous. I, does the Hollywood Foreign Press know that what a weird. screenplay is? Yeah, that was strange. <laughs> I feel that like they're very confused as award. to what a screenplay means. Yeah, that Wait, made no be, sense. Like, how do you not give that to Vice? Because I want to mention these are the four movies that it beat. Roma, The Favorite, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Vice. Well, and it was literally the won. worst one in that category. Yeah, Book is literally, they literally gave it. Honestly, you give it to any of those four, even Roma. You and I go. Okay, oh, I'll even say cool. the favorite. Yeah, like yeah. I, the favorite Beale doesn't Street, work for man. me, but I understand that that's great. I, I, I would say Vice just because I like how Adam McKay wrote Vice, but um, yeah. But they literally <laughs> picked the worst one in that. So, all right, uh, Christian Bale gave I think the best acceptance speech. Is that when he thanks Satan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yes, he uh, did. that raised some eyebrows. That was a pretty wild comment because I remember what that was during his. It's funny if you look at the speech that moment. Uh, they cut to like a side shot of the vice table, and then you see Bradley Cooper. I think he's. I think like Bale was saying something about playing Mitch McConnell or something, and then he thanks. And then what does he say? I like to thank Satan for his yeah, inspiration. He was saying something along like, "What other degenerate yeah, who should I you play know, next? Yeah, yeah. What other vicious person or evil person should I play, Mitch McConnell?" And they also bleeped out a couple of things that he said yeah. too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin, I, that for the first time when I saw the clip, you know, of him as Cheney, and then it cut to him. <laughs> yeah. That was the one time that I was just like, I, "How is that?" I don't get that. That's the same person. Well, that was my wow moment. Was like I had just seen Vice. Three days before I interviewed him for Mowgli. And it was like, it was, it was the most outer body experience walking into that room. Like I was just in genuine shock that I was sitting across from the same person. It didn't make any sense to me. It was actually very distracting. I couldn't focus on my interview. Actress in a motion picture musical comedy goes to Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. She beats out Emily Blunt, Elsie Fisher. How? Charlize Theron and Constance Wu. How what? Go ahead. Adorable. I don't want to say like adorable because that's that's a that's a demeaning word, but like just so genuine was her uh, acceptance speech. She geeked oh. out. She's like, "Oh, I got I got to go on a private jet." Like she just seemed <laughs> so grateful and thankful to be there, and it just made me go like, oh, "I like win everything, win like win everything, and don't lose." I that. thought be most awesome. of the speeches. I thought most of the speeches last night. Yeah, the acceptance speeches were pretty heartfelt. Yeah. and and yeah. you know, and it was yeah, not a political just- year. No, it wasn't at all. You know what's oh, funny? I, I liked Andy Samberg and Sandra O's intro yeah. with yeah. with. See, I thought I thought it was funny when they they, they did the, the the nice jokes. I, I thought that was hilarious because like, I thought always, the funniest bit was Carrie sending Jim Carrey back to the television. That was, that was great. Funny. Yeah. Wait, yeah, was what funny. was? Uh, so when, since I was in New Zealand, I actually couldn't hear a lot of the show, so I had to go back and rewatch things. Um, what? Speakers there? Well, it's a long story. I mean, you you. <laughs> 
Needed yeah. to see the setup we had in this Stop car. Stop insulting New Zealand, New Zealand Sean. <laughs> no, 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 I loved it. No, but but uh, yeah, we know you hate Peter Jackson, but you know, keep 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 it calm down. Um, no, but I I do want to know what was the flu shot bit. I I didn't understand what was oh, going on there. Nobody knows. I mean, it was okay. just a well, random thing. Well, were they really flu shots? I doubt it. No, because I don't think so. didn't, didn't they like put them in people's arms? I thought I saw something. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was just looking at it wrong, but. Just seemed like an odd bit. I don't know where it came yeah. from. Um, it was I like the Ellen up, Pizza bit. Did you guys miss um, that Elsie Fisher? Elsie Fisher, the girl from eighth grade, yeah. is like tweeting her. in all caps. Yeah. Oh, you did, uh, Jake? Did you see this? She's yeah, like, I did. I'm so thrilled about Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm so glad it won. And then she gets shouted down by trolls because of the Brian Singers. Like this poor girl is just she's out in the Globes for probably the first yeah. time. She's a nominee. Yeah. She's a, enjoying herself. And, and, and then follows up with a very heartbreaking text that along the lines of "What did I do wrong?" And I'm like, Yeah, oh, I'm really God. sorry. She's People like, I want to apologize if I hurt anybody. Just leave her alone. Also, yeah, that, you're allowed yeah. to like Brian. Can I just really quickly quick sidebar? Sure. Brian Singer is one of. 200 people that worked on that movie and right. a lot of people who have never done anything wrong in their lives worked gave gave a lot of effort and did great jobs yep. on that film yeah. you cannot punish an, a film and its entire cast and crew for the actions of one person you can't do it in the same way you can't write off seven because you don't like kevin space anymore i'm sorry you can't that's not that's or not fair sh- or shout down someone who's just saying yeah. congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah, like the Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody thing is like it's so it's it's fascinating me because Jake's one hundred percent right. You're talking about one person, um, and and there's so many people like even something like Chinatown, right? Uh, Roman Polanski, you know. Listen, Roman Polanski, terrible person, but the movie yeah. itself was great. Yeah. I mean, the, the the performances were great. Nicholson was great. So. I have a hard time with people trashing a film specifically for one person. Now, I understand – I want to say that I understand where, they, where, where people are coming from. I get that it's a very, very sensitive situation. I get yeah, that these 100%. allegations are very bad. That being said, Rami Malek put his heart and soul into that film, as did every other actor, as did the cinematographer, as did the extras, as did the visual effects, as did the Live Aid sequence. I mean we're talking about – Probably thousands of people, right. actually, thousands Jake. Of people. Um, yes. So Elsie Fisher uh, uh, congratulating Bohemian Rhapsody as a whole, mostly probably on the Rami Malek element, um, should not ever be treated in a way where you tear someone down for that. Um, and I, I, I'm like so – I'm so – there was so much negativity on my Twitter feed last night with Bohemian 1. I, listen, I, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody is the best movie of the year. I, I, don't, I don't think that at all. I, I like the film a lot. It's in my top ten. But – the Brian Singer aspect to it, in my opinion, does not overshadow the entirety of all the work that went into that movie. I mean, yeah. I think Jake also, agrees. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't think it, it won, cool. But come at me with cinematic reasons as to why you don't right. think. Don't come at me with the personal behind the scenes life of someone who directed three quarters of the film. Like that, I'm mm. not gonna like. I'm not gonna have any respect for you if you come at me with that. Like, like, why, why, why is Rami Malek? Why does Rami Malek deserve to be uh, destroyed because of the actions, the uh, the alleged actions of the filmmaker? Um, I just don't feel that that's. I mean, but that's the thing. Then, then you have the other side of the argument, right? I mean, like these things, right? These are very bad things, and people are very affected by it. So, 
it sends a message. There's a message in Hollywood. Should that person still be directing films? Um, so that 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 becomes a whole other storyline. But if wow. you're looking at just Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie itself, I don't I don't feel like you should judge it on one person. And this is what's really uncomfortable too is any movie that's in this race um, gets put under a microscope for a very long period of time. Like we have weeks to go, and if Bohemian Rhapsody gets into the Best Picture. Uh, category, which I feel it, it has a very strong chance of getting yeah. in. Um, anyone who does press from it is going to have to deal with these questions. Yeah. Still, did you see so. the the press line last night? Some they asked them, they asked yeah. the cast about it, and they, they because really? obviously Singer wasn't thanked in yeah. the speech. Um, but what was Graham's comment, Jake? It was like this is not the right time. That well, yeah, Graham Graham wouldn't really comment on it, but Rami actually stepped up and uh, and spoke to it, essentially saying, "Look, our priority was to give." Any and all credit to Freddie Mercury. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's what I think. I think they need yeah. to put out a definitive statement that ju- that's just like this is the answer. So let's not. But that, that, I don't know if that can happen. But Jake makes a good point, though. Like Seven, the movie Seven. That's it's not ruined because of Kevin Spacey. That's a that's a film that was a lot of work that went into it. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, David Fincher, thousands of people who worked on it. Yes, the Spacey thing is is bad. But I don't think that a movie should be ruined. Well, I mean, Jake, you agree with okay, that. Okay, but wait. Yeah. But at the same time, wait, I will say if someone's opinion is I can't watch a Kevin Spacey performance anymore because he just I bothers that. me, that's fine. That, that's, yeah, I, I think that, that that's fair. Yeah, I have no problem with someone yeah. having that opinion. But to attack somebody – see, I, I, right. I think I want to make this clear. I, I have no problem if you feel uncomfortable watching that person's work based sure. on alleged allegations. That is a that is your right and your you are completely entitled to that and I respect your opinion on that. But to attack a young girl for her opinion yeah. on a movie for like she had no idea what was going on with the Brian Singer situation from what I gathered from the the tweets, right? But then you're no, attacking her. No, she was caught completely caught off guard. She's and a so kid. so her so yeah. her opinion on Bohemian Rhapsody was a joyous, entertaining, fun movie with Rami Malek giving an amazing performance. And mm-hmm. now, like, so that's the way that I think the point Jake and I are making is that you can't attack somebody for that opinion. That's right. All. all right. Back to awards conversation. And we'll transition right to Rami Malik, who ends up taking best actor in a drama. And Jake asks the golden question. Jake. Could he win the Oscar? Yes. Could he win the Oscar? Um, and I still think it's no. I still think it's no, because. You know, the Globes is split, right? It's yep. drama and it's musical comedy. So essentially, if Rami gets in, we're assuming he's going to be competing against Bradley Cooper and uh, Christian Bale. And right. Vigo, I would assume, which the Academy could very easily embrace Green Book uh, in a similar fashion to the way that the Globes did. So that's a tough category, right? That seems like a pretty stacked category with yeah. just those four in it. Yeah. I, I don't um, think Rami Malek wins actor. I think the HFPA just loved Bohemian Rhapsody, clearly. Um, and I don't think that that's going to transition to... I mean, here's the thing. The Oscars could be that split we're all discussing, right? Stars born picture, Rami actor, Gaga actress. I mean, now, now, it's, now it's Glenn Close? I, I, <laughs> when did yeah. that become a thing? That's I've, crazy. I know. Re- rewind the tape on this podcast. Yeah. I've been saying for months... That career Glenn Close award, could yeah. get it because people think she's she's due one by now, and I, I I've been saying for months that the biggest threat to Lady Gaga is Glenn Close, and and the critique of Gaga. Now again, this is just the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It doesn't mean anything in terms of uh, 
the Academy necessarily. And not a single voter of the Academy votes on the HFPA, correct? Um, Gabe, I read there was one. Want, can you look up SAG? Did, did Glenn Close get a SAG nomination? Yes. Oh. Did I'm she? I'm almost certain she did. I'm almost certain. Boy, that well, makes things pretty interesting. Wait, Jake, what'd you just say? So I, I thought HFPA. there was one is there person one? in okay. the HFPA that was also in oh, the Oh, is there really? I could <laughs> be wrong, funny. but I, I read, actually, I, I know I read yesterday that there was. Okay, um, so then I don't mean nobody, but but it's a very it's yeah. a very small. Yeah, portion. honestly, I, mean, I to, think to the to, point where even when we do Critics' Choice and we all vote for the Critics' yeah. Choice, even if our if, even if our winners are totally different, it has no real overall impact. Right. But aren't, aren't we pound for pound the most accurate predictor of the Oscars? Yeah, we have been, except we were off. I think last year or two because yeah. we did La La Land and then Moonlight ended yeah. up winning, and we also and an, kind time. of. Not to knock an organization that I'm a part of. We also kind of cheat a little by uh, having a couple of extra nominees. Oh, yeah. Like each, I think we category. have like seven, yeah. seven actors. We nominate about 84 different people for each category. <laughs> yeah, so our chances of us getting the right people in there is yeah. uh, is pretty high. So, all right, Can so Glenn Close wins. Was that the biggest shock? Wait, wait where Stars are you? Stars born. Stars yeah, well, that, okay, so let's get to that. Let's get to like, the fact that, that Lady Gaga not winning – that to me was the biggest shock of the night. Even with Jake Huge. sort of saying that it could go to Glenn Close, I think that Lady Gaga not winning was the biggest. Because yeah. to me, I Gaga think is such it's the exact kind of person that the Hollywood Foreign Press votes for. I think yes. A Star Is Born losing Best Picture was the biggest shock of the night. No like kidding, that, really. That to me was the like. Here's the thing. My, here, let me like my emotional wavelength of the award show was okay. Rami Malek. Kind of saw that coming a little bit, even though I predicted, predicted Cooper. I get that they loved him. Uh, Glenn Close, I kind of went back to what Jake was saying. Career, okay, cool. But at the end of the day, Stars Born takes home picture. Not a big deal. Bradley Cooper will still get up there. It's all good. And then, boom. Like, that was that And that was doesn't, that doesn't change your opinion that Stars Born is the front runner for best, for best picture no, at all? not at all. Bohemian Rhapsody is not going to win best picture at the Oscars. It isn't, um, but what it just suggests is that there isn't as much love for Stars Born as we might think. But wait, but uh, yeah. okay. okay. No, I, so I, I presented yeah. this theory to you guys last night, which is that losing at the Golden Globes could be the best thing that happened to a yes. Stars Born because there was such a backlash yeah. to both Green Book and especially Bohemian Rhapsody winning yeah. on uh, on Sunday that the Academy's going to look at that and go. Well, we can't give it to them. And then who else do you give it to? Maybe Black Panther? Um, but I, I really think that th- this is super beneficial. I received, I won't say from who, but a text message from a fellow member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association today saying, hey guys, let's not make the same mistake that the Golden Globes made. So instantly, other voting bodies are saying they messed up, they're getting flack for it. Hey guys, let's make sure we don't do that. Okay. Uh, well, I'm also going to go on record as saying that as the driver of the Black Panther has a chance to win Best Picture train, uh, we just crashed into a wall <laughs> because I really feel like it had to have some sort of showing last night. And now I'm really feeling that other films uh, receive some momentum and Black Panther has to really start, you know, turning this entire game around. I bet you Coogler gets in for Best Director. You think, you think so? so? I mean, not win, not huge. win, not win. I mean, nomination. I think that that's it's a statement. Um, it's a it's an important film. You nominate Ryan Coogler. I mean, first of all, he should have been nominated for Fruitvale or Creed. 
That's let's all be clear there. Um, Panther is great, but it's not his best movie. But I right, think well, then I would love. Him. I think I bet you then. So let's do director really fast. It goes to Alfonso. We're gonna have 100%. our interview with Alfonso in a in a heartbeat. Um, I think you get uh, Bradley Cooper in there. Let's say Coogler. I think it's Spike Lee. Oh yeah, your ghost okay. or no fairly fair, fairly. Over He's McKay? That's a thing. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. If Peter but, but Fairley gets isn't that into great, the, Fairley doesn't deserve to be there, oh, dude. I, that's not a well-directed no, movie. That's no not a well-directed movie. Peter Fairley's not in there. Peter Fairley 100% gets nominated. 100%. Oh, it's so generic. Dude, it's so that, generic. That's Anyone not a well-directed direct movie. That. I agree. I'm not saying he deserves it. I'm saying he gets in. There's no, Did he listen. get... Have DGA nominations come out? No, not that not I know yet. of. But but here's no. the thing. Green Book is now a frontrunner for Best Picture. Okay, let's let's think about this right now. Front runners for Best Picture as we sit here right now are the five following films: Stars Born, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, Now, uh, Roma, and Green, Green, Green Book. Book. So n- there's no chance Fairly does not get nominated for Best Director. It, it's it, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I would guys. rather I would rather Damien get nominated in, in, for this in this oh, year. Oh, yes, Damien deserves I would hope it. so. Oh, Damien yeah. deserves it over. Every one of those except for Alfonso and Cooper. So I, 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 um, I'm, I mean, listen, that's not going to happen though. And now uh, here's the thing. Critics choice. They nom- we nominated for first band for a lot of awards. Yeah. Um, I don't. 10, I think 10. Is it too late to turn that yeah. tide? Is it too late for that movie think, to, yeah. to gain I traction? I mean, I think it is. No, one, no one's talking about it, dude. I, honestly, we, we nominated it for 10 awards. I could see it going 0 for 10 on Sunday. I yeah. just, it, I, I, I lose sleep over that. What happened with that movie? You uh, should it, sleep it more. Is, it's genuinely a very disturbing thing. What happened to that movie? Uh, and I, 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 and you guys disagree with me all you want. I think it had a lot to do with online trolls. I, I really do. I, I think don't disagree that, with you. I, and Jay disagree disagrees. With you. I but I'm telling you right now, that movie was dead in the water the minute that story hit. It was, it was, I, it was, no, no, because it was, Jake, a, the it was people man. that were screaming that I, I have family members that were screaming what you're talking about, the flag controversy. And they're not the people that were ever going to pay to go see the movie, man. I, I had to, I had the screener at Christmas and whenever I proposed that we watch it, had family members say, no, I'm not watching it because the flag's not in it. And that's just, but they were never going to go see it anyway. That's, but that's there you go. Room. You but, just proved but, my point. But they were they. But the, 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 these people who were screaming this were never people that were going to get up. How out do of you know that in. though? How? But here, here's the thing. How do you know that someone wasn't going to go see a movie based on Neil Armstrong? Not that was following not, up La La Not Land. enough to make the difference between whether that movie was a hit or Dis- a I disagree, man. I oh, met so many people. people who refused to see it actively. No, Dude, that, no, if, people it, want that. We, we, we touched on this. I can't, we can't no, go No, Jake, if you watch newscasts of that story, that was turned into wow. a very negative spin, in my opinion, against that film. And it turned that film. There were politicians. Ted Cruz tweeted about First Man. That never happens. I mean, that that was that movie was destroyed, and I and I and I, I will say that to this day. Uh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna agree so to frustrating on that. to me. Uh, but so I'll say I'll say one thing, Kevin, because I'm I kind of agree with you also. But I think if word of mouth, if word of mouth were stronger on it, um, it could have overcome it that. Got great reviews. Look at ninety percent, ninety over ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes, wasn't it? it was it got great reviews? I honestly just checked. didn't. 80%. I never met that many people. That wanted to see First Man. I just didn't. 
But dude, never who, met that many people that wanted to see it. Who? Will, why would people see La La Land? Okay, it's, it's Ryan it's Gosling. No, no, no. It was great. But what's the intrigue? It's a musical with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. You're, there you're, it talking is. About, you're talking about it. To me, but, to me, that's much more commercial than than oh, I disagree. A, a slow a burn musical? character study about a guy that. Yeah. No, dude, come on. Dude, the number one selling album of 2018 was the Greatest Showman soundtrack. I'm not yeah. saying that uh, a musical isn't an intriguing concept. My point being is, if someone pitched to your family members, Jake, a musical with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, I think the more intriguing concept would be a film about Neil Armstrong by the director of La La Land. That to me sounds very intriguing. It First sounds more man intriguing. Only made a hundred million globally. Right. It topped it out a hundred million. It, I'm telling you guys, we'll never know the answer to this. But I, in, in my heart, I know that movie was destroyed. It was Gabe wants Gabe wants us to know that Glenn Close was nominated for a SAG for a leading yeah. role, so she's very much in the mix. I'm uh, sorry, do you and person. Gabe text each other during the show? We do. Yes, they, we Glenn Close. I'm sorry, and, and, and we're not allowed to be in in these no. super secret cool conversations, mm-hmm. Kevin. No. I'm texting no. you right now. Kevin. <laughs> he also Glenn Close that- is the coolest person ever. By the way. Oh yeah, you had a great time with her in your station. She came in studio for for the wife, and it was like this little movie that no one had ever heard of. And I'm and she came in with Christian Slater, and to Glenn Close's credit, I dressed up as Christian Slater's character from True Romance at the door to greet them, <laughs> and she was all in on it. Like she couldn't have been cooler. She was telling me stories about Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, and like all these like crazy. She was so. Awesome. And I, I'll tell you right now, The Wife, while I don't think it's a great film, she's amazing in it. Um, and I'm happy for her. I mean, I think Gaga deserves it, but I I liked seeing Close on that stage last night. It was cool. Uh, yeah. Um, while we're just sort of talking about uh, icons and legends in the film industry, the montage of Jeff Bridges' work last night oh was Oh, my highlight. God. With, with, the, with the new Sam Elliott, Big Lebowski oh. voiceover. It was amazing. Brilliant. It was amazing. Brilliant. Yes. And a friend of mine said, if the Coens ever decide to do a sequel to The Big Lebowski, which they probably won't do because they just don't do sequels, Chris Pine would be fantastic as the son of the dude. Yes. And he clearly has <laughs> such admiration for Jeff Bridges. Did you 100%. see the memes that came out of that of uh, when Jeff Bridges was giving a speech and Chris Pine was off stage? And there's a picture of Pine looking at Bridges with such obviously respect and admiration, but the meme being... Uh, find someone that looks at you the way that Chris Pryan looks at Jeff Bridges. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, that was a uh, Cinema Blend. I think Cinema Blend actually did that one. I think a girl who's doing social yeah. media for us um, did that. Uh, Allie Ladd, shout out to her. Uh, and I forgot, Allie. actually, I, t- I blanked on the fact that they um, did Hell or High Water together. It was yeah. I just feel like you can't you can't do a sequel to Big Lebowski. That's like, oh, no, that's no, just, no, no, no. It, no. It, it, it's, cr- It'd be a it's terrible too, idea. You, you'd be crossing the Chris line on that. You can't You can't do that. You just can't. Gabe also wants me to mention that on Tuesday, we're recording Monday, uh, but on Tuesday, DGA will announce their film nominations. So, Kevin, since you're in Tuesday, please tell us who got them. Well, uh, yeah, but I am. By the way, do you guys know Chris, do you guys know Chris Pine's favorite author of all time? Jesus no. Christ. Chris R.L. Stein. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he loves Goosebumps, man. He's a big, Chris, he's a, he's a big Goosebumps guy. I was really uh, happy I wanna, yeah. I'm saving director <laughs> Sean. Um, do not encourage him because Pine no. rhymes with a lot of stuff. So don't with get a lot going. of a lot of stuff. Yes, um, Gabe, help me here. This is literally your job. You're like the Chicago Bears for... kicker. You had one job and you're failing. 
Uh, Alfonso Cuaron takes home Best Director. Uh, Roma could not contend for um, the, any of the Best Picture categories. I think we touched on Best Picture enough. I don't think we have to go back over those fact that those two, those two movies won. So Alfonso gets his chance to shine uh, not once but twice. Roma picks up Best Foreign Language Film, uh, the only category it could contend in. But then to me, the big win, which just shows me what a player uh, Roma is in this year's Academy Awards race to the chagrin of Jake uh, Hamilton is uh, Alfonso getting best director and being able to go up there and give a beautiful speech um, that was just so phenomenal. Kevin, how happy were you to see Alfonso go up there and take best director? Oh, it made me so ha- it made me so happy that I just thought of another pun. Um, and I was just <laughs> thinking about, um, you know, Chris Pine's favorite uh, romantic comedy of all time. Remember that movie? Oh, She's it- the man. Yeah, um, with with uh, uh, Chris Amanda Pines. Do you guys remember that movie with uh, like Channing Tatum and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, and I want to throw. Again, how am I throwing <laughs> to this interview? Please let me good. throw to this interview to, to get out of the fact that we're stuck in a, a pun spiral with Kevin right, yeah. having a million to things tied to. This was a this was a big interview, um, and Sean will toss to it. But you're going to hear a lot of cool things in there. Um, if you've seen Roma, uh, oh, we you don't say know. There's some spoilers, right? There's spoilers there's some in spoilers, our conversation. But the movie's been out for over a month. Uh, and also, yeah. uh, Alfonso was very open to talk about it. Here's the thing. In my opinion, knowing what he says about the uh, a particular sequence, in my opinion, enhances the film. Um, so it, I don't think that it's an, a spoiler enough. I think it would actually in, enhance your viewing experience, personally. Um, but... You know, for people who aren't aware, Alfonso did not give his actors a script. He shot the movie in absolute continuity, meaning that it was all genuine people. The actors were learning about their character arcs as the film progressed, which is just unbelievably crazy to me. Um, One thing you're not going to hear in this interview, I'll post on my on Twitter. uh, He taught the the beat shot at the end of that movie. I, I, I can't even describe to you the filmmaking that went into this movie. It is just purely genius. And one thing you'll hear in this interview, I think Jake and Sean will attest to this. We all three have very different styles of interviewing. Um, you know, and I think you're going to hear how we all approach our questions differently as you hear our questions to Alfonso, which is kind of cool. Uh, that, that was the thing that really made me happy was like listening to how we all came at this. You know what I mean? It was like, that, that was a cool thing to listen to. Uh, the, we want to thank Netflix for getting us um, on the hook with Alfonso. We want to, uh, you guys played with a guest blend when we put up a picture of the, the four of us interviewing Alfonso. Uh, my favorite guesses uh, were Kevin's mom. Great guess. Uh, yeah. And we will get, we will get Kevin's mom on the podcast. She's integral to the success of the podcast. Uh, I also love someone guessed uh, that we were talking to Peter Fairley and finally able to talk to uh to talk to him about bathroom blend. That will happen, I guarantee. In <laughs> John, did you hear about did you hear about Chris Pine's favorite Jeffrey Rush movie? No. What what is it? Chris Shine. <laughs> Do you guys remember did that you, movie Shine? Did you ever did you ever see that underrated George Clooney Michelle <laughs> don't, Pfeiffer don't. romantic comedy? One yeah. Pine Day? Yeah, One Pine Day. Pine day. One fine day. day. Uh, All right. This this is our interview with Alfonso Coran. Enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for joining Real Blend. Um, I've seen the film three times now. I I can't stop thinking about it. I I rewatch it just to find things that I missed the first time around. But I wanted to talk to you briefly about shooting in absolute continuity, in chronological order, and not giving your actors a script. 
and how that influenced what you achieved in your camera, those natural reactions. Maybe you can specifically focus on the birth scene because Yelitsa talked about how that scene, she did not know that that was going to happen in that sequence. Can you talk about utilizing that type of filmmaking and what you gathered in your camera from that? Yeah, for that specific scene, the birth scene, um, as we were shooting in continuity, uh, Yalitza uh, was following the story of her character, her circumstance, and she knew that it was, you know, she, she, she had gone through the preparation room, and she knew that now was the scene in which she was delivering her baby. Um, to shoot that scene, what we did is, um, first of all, uh, something that was important was the casting. We cast, um, to play the doctors and the nurses, we cast real doctors and nurses. Uh, people who do that, uh, that work every single day. So they deliver maybe 10, 15 babies a, a, a day. And, and uh, so we staged the, the, the whole scene with them, with Aujalitza. Uh, and pretty much they were guiding me because they, they, they are doctors. They, they, are no, they know what they are doing. I don't really know how the procedure works. And once that everything was perfect stage between them, um, then uh, we were ready to shoot. And uh, Yalitza was in the stretcher, and the, the only thing was uh, now um, is the scene in which you're going to, you're going to deliver your baby. Uh, the, the gynecologist told her, look, um, it's very painful. Uh, as you're delivering, I'm going to squeeze a little bit your 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 your, your foot whenever you you will be feeling the, the greatest pain. And so we start uh, we we roll cameras and we start shooting the scene. And what happens? Yalisa start getting into the into the moment because everything was very realistic. Even the doctor said that there's a point in which they forgot that they were shooting a film. And uh, and yeah, then what happened is that. Uh, is, is the whole situation of the stillborn baby. Uh, and that completely caught uh, Yalitza by surprise. She was not expecting that and she was immersing her character and she just broke. She w just broke the way that a mother would. Um, and I think it was very important to shoot in continuity just because she had the whole experience of, of, of the circumstance of her character with all the expectations that her character had for the baby. But also because uh, it was not only her own expectations, but the expectation of the children of the family. Uh, uh, on set and off set, there were dis discussions between the kids, guessing if it was going to be a boy or a girl, the name of the, which name, how they were going to name the baby, uh, when the baby was going to come. Um, uh, so it was, uh, it, it was as if it was just a continuation of life, and when you're seeing what you're seeing in that in that scene is the honest, pure reaction of Cleo, and Cleo played by Jalitza. Alfonso, I'm really curious about um, every time I go back and revisit the film. Uh, I've seen it three times now. It's a different film because I know what's going to happen in the grand scheme and I see things in the background and I see uh, things that you've populated that are, you know, foreshadowings and references. And so I would love for you to just talk about knowing that your audience is going to be able to have a second viewing and a third viewing and, and how you put things in the background 
um, and, and what we could maybe look for in our next viewing that, that you think people have missed? Yeah, um, the first viewing, of course, you're, you, uh, hopefully you will be carried on by the story. You know, what is, uh, what is the circumstance of the characters and what they go through? Uh, in other views, probably you will be able to to uh, read more of the visual information that is that, that 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 is presented in each frame. Each frame is very densely layered with uh, not only with choreographies and actions, but also with visual information. Some of those that information is foreshadowing what is going to happen later on. Uh, some other are just political, sociopolitical references, or many others are a, a, are, a, are information that that are relevant thematically uh, uh, in the different themes that the that the that the that the, that the film juggles with. So it's uh, I think that each viewing you can discover new 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 layers. New layers in terms of just the information in the background, but also how that information informs either the characters or the themes of the film. Alfonso, I, there's been a lot of talk about how personal of a film this is for you and, and in a sense how autobiographical it is. I'm curious, as moviegoers, as fans of yours, how much more do you think we know you now having seen this film? Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's that, that's, a, that's a hard question to answer because, I mean, I'm disclosing an aspect, an important aspect of a period of my life. Um, eh, I guess that then you, you have a, a bit more information, but I think that the, the most relevant information is, is the cultural aspect of it, is, uh, is the country that forged me and the, 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 the social dynamic that forged me, uh, together with the, 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 dynamic, the class and race dynamics that are involved. Uh, in other words, um, maybe what they can see is that, yeah, I'm aware of certain uh, social, ethnical differences, and, uh, and I think it's probably, it, it is a bit obvious, um, how embarrassed I feel about uh, my my unwilling complicity in in those differences. You know, Alfonso. Last thing for you before we go. One thing that I love in the movie we, when they go to the movie theater. Um, those are some of my favorite sequences. And obviously, you see the marooned movie hit the big screen. That space sequence, uh, and then there's that shot that turns that to the second astronaut who you know is Gregory Peck, who looks just like George Clooney. Um, and I know that maroon was kind of a big uh, influence for you from Gravity. And I was just curious about that connection and. Was the Clooney casting at all referenced because how much Peck kind of looked like him in that sequence? Uh, it's actually Gene Hackman, not uh, Gregory Peck in that sequence. Gene, Gene Hackman. It's, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, it's Gene Hackman. And, uh, uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, look, people have said that it's an homage to, 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 to gravity when in reality, gravity is a reference to Maroon. Maroon is a film that I have always admired. I, I love that film. And it's a film that in specifically this, this period of my life, I watch many, 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 many different times. And yes, it's inevitable to think that 
uh, for me while I was doing Gravity, not to be influenced by by uh, by Maroon. Yeah, so it's not it's not a coincidence. Uh, I hadn't seen Maroon for a while, and when I was looking at Maroon, uh, watching Maroon for because of, of of Roma, I realized how much I I rip off from it. You know, in, I mean, it's a different story, but it's just um, I guess that. What struck me with with, uh, with Maroon, and it's something that I try to 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 to, to do in Gravity, is that concept of of the void of humanity against the void. You know, it's uh, and it's one of the themes of Roma, but also in Gravity, of how um, in terms of our existence, pretty much we are lost in this void, and it's only the human connection that can save us and give meaning to this void. Wow. Well, Alfonso, we want to say thank you so much for joining Real Blend. This has been an absolute pleasure. Roma is an absolute masterpiece. And I'm going to go see it for a fourth time next weekend in 70 millimeter uh, in Los Angeles. So thank you for making this movie and thank you for making movies that make us excited to go to movies. Well, thank you very much. So one thing you did not hear at the end of that interview that uh, was super unfortunate because uh, all of us, uh, including Gabe and uh, the people at Netflix, heard Alfonso Cuaron, when the interview was over, say, wow, that was great. And to, you know, at, I always tell people I, I don't do drugs, but my high is interviewing someone that I have a massive amount of respect for. And say what you want to about my opinion of Roma. I love Alfonso Cuaron and I love his films. In the same way that I know that Sean still loves Damien Chazelle despite not loving First Man. Um, you can Very love an so. artist without, without loving their entire body of work. Uh, I have such a uh, such a massive respect for that guy, and uh, to be with uh, you know three of my best friends working our butts off to get this interview and to do a good job in the interview and have it elicit a genuine reaction and have the people in the room text all of us and say, "Wow, he really loved you guys." Uh, was was such? I mean, we were. It was a Friday night that we recorded that, and um, man, that was. I mean, you guys. I mean, were well, there, obviously. This- this truly is, and Kevin sort of mentioned it before we played the the podcast too. We we all before we played the interview, the the three of us do this job very differently, right? It's the same job, and yeah. and and one thing that we all strive to do, and I think we always all strive to do it without knowing, is that we try so hard to come up with questions that other people aren't going to ask. That's the trick of this yeah. gig, yeah. right? Like, there's always talent. Alfonso in that chair was literally going to go through a cycle of people from different outlets all around the country and and was probably bracing for the same type of question time and time again. And when the three of us sat down to really go over and and we do stress about the time that we get, you know, 10 minutes and then and then they tell you he gives long answers. So we're very concerned about how many questions we're going to get in. We talked a lot about the icebreaker question of the question at the end about uh, Marooned and uh, Gene Hackman and George Clooney was actually we were talking about that as our icebreaker. And then we very quickly went off of that. And then thankfully, Kevin remembered to bring it back up at the end of the thing because it gave well, such a great answer to give. A, but, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, but when we all talked about like, OK, what's our one question that we want to ask? The three of us came up with those completely different questions that went into wildly different topics. And that's what I love so much about the, how the way the three of us approach not just this show, but the way that we do our job. And I think that's what that helps make us makes us interesting. Yeah, it's cool because like we were we were uh, Karan, uh, Alfonso was delayed. Uh, so we were actually on chat for about an hour and a half prior to 
him coming on. And that's when we were kind of prepping our questions. I mean, I had written out nine questions because I was interviewing him again afterwards for uh, my TV station. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I there were, there were things I wanted to get into this particular interview, specifically the birthing sequence, because, you know, I remember Sean and I being at a Q&A together and I learned that information from Yalitza about her not knowing about the, the sequence. And just to hear Alfonso talk, I, I didn't know there were real doctors. That was the first time I, I, I heard that. I didn't know that until Alfonso yeah. mentioned that in the interview. Um, I thought they were actors. Lauren had said she thought they were real doctors initially. Um, but one thing that was kind of cool was the maroon thing, to give a little behind the scenes, we were talking about that because I remember Sean and I or somebody, we were talking about like when, when you see the maroon shot in, uh, in Roma, it looks the guy looks just like George Clooney. And it was like we were all wondering – was that George Clooney, right? And I think we're all wondering that. Like, like people thought maybe it was a shot or some behind-the-scenes footage from Gravity or whatever it was. And it was, it was in fact, a movie called Maroon, which was a movie that influenced Gravity, as Alfonso was talking about. But the funny part about that is behind the scenes, and you heard me mess up, we all thought it was Gregory Peck. We were trying to figure out what yeah. actor that was. And yeah, yeah. So, um, so we were initially going to open up the interview with that question as an icebreaker. Fun, get them going. Hopefully it was a short enough answer that we could all three get our questions in. So in the, and the, Jake was the last person to go, and then we noticed we had a couple minutes left, and then Sean held up a sign that said marooned <laughs> uh, in our because we were all on Skype. And the, the funniest thing about us being on Skype together is Alfonso couldn't see us, but there's a photo that Sean took of all four of our faces while he was answering our questions. And it was awesome to not have him have the ability to see us because we could just purely geek out over the interview. So the maroon well, question. And then when he says, when he says, that was great. Like yeah. all our faces were just like, oh my God. Yeah. Did he just anyway, say that? It, That's the best. And it was funny because like, I felt embarrassed that I said Gregory Peck because we had all, we had all agreed that it was probably Peck. And then he's like, no, 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 it's Gene Hackman. And I was like, Gabe, should we take that out? Because like, I don't, I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But like Gregory Peck is in the movie. We just didn't know yeah. which one. I have never seen Marooned. But no, I... I just didn't know which one because the question really came from the guy looked just like Clooney. Was the casting know, of Clooney uh, at all involved in you, that? So, do you know what I just realized as we're having this conversation? What the inclusion of Marooned the first time they go to the movie is a subtext to the fact that the second time they go to the theater is when she gets marooned by the guy who leaves her there. Oh, she gets wow. left by herself in the oh theater. Oh, my God. Like, I'm telling you. It's every- a reference. Oh, my God. <laughs> she gets marooned by this the guy. gets more brilliant by uh, uh, Sean and I. And, and, and guess what color is never featured in the film? Maroon. <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> actually. But Sean's, <laughs> Sean's question about the rewatch is important <laughs> because... When I saw Roma for the first time, I sat next to Sean, and I have never felt more jealous in my life of someone who was experiencing a second viewing of a film because <laughs> I could, based on his breathing or his excitement for a scene coming up, I'm like, man, I want that. I want to know what, what he's feeling because that's kind of cool. <laughs> like he, he has something else going on here. Um, and then when I saw it for a second time, it was just – and then the third time. And then you pick up on so many things. We And we've discussed this. When you have filmmakers who are willing to have that kind of restraint, you know, the, I, to put things in that here's the thing. How many people are going to watch a movie more than once? The percentage of people who watch Roma, how many will watch it again? Same thing with Get Out, where 
you had to you would find things and get out three or four times later. The restraint a filmmaker has to hide things that are actually the most brilliant aspects and metaphors of his movie or her movie is pretty insane. So yeah, it's great. So um, who do you guys want us to interview next? Go to our Twitter feed at Real Blend and tell us uh, some other people who you think that we'd want to interview because I'm feeling pretty confident. If we can get Quran, I think we can get some pretty interesting people. And uh, we have a long Oscar race to get through. I want Peter Farrelly. I want Peter Farrelly just so we can be able to talk to him about Dumb and Dumber. Because I just think that would be a wildly a wildly entertaining segment. I um, would love to break down Jeff Daniels' scene in the bathroom. I, I want to like walk truthfully, through that in a very serious I, fashion. Just I think like, he'd want to do it with us. I want to know the shot choice. I want to know the reason why Jeff Daniels shook his legs. I want to know. I, I, I want to know every single detail yep. that went into that shot because it is. I want. It's brilliant. It's a genius sequence. Let us get to this week's blend game. Uh, we decided last week to play, and and then now that I, now that I chose it, this is actually a game choice, and it's a good choice. I like it. Um, it's the films of Charlize Theron. Oh, and um, you know, you know, you know, Sean, that Alfonso's favorite actress of all time is Alfonso Theron. I did not. I did yeah. not know that. It's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Are they related? No. The same mom? It's uh, Just, just, just to clear, I know you're in the future because it's Tuesday. Are those funny in the yes. future? Yes. In New Zealand, this People kills. in the hotel lobby are laughing right now. Is this like a Southern <laughs> Hemisphere thing? It's very funny, man. It's, it's very uh, funny. Kevin, you get, to go, you get to go first for Theron Blend. Charlize. For Quran Blend. Yes. Theron Blend. All right. Um, this was easy. Mad Max Schroeder. I figured it was for you. Yeah, I figured it was. No question. I mean, but why? Is there, any, is there anything better than that movie with her in it? No. Mm, yeah. I mean that. <laughs> no, <are>. there's not. <laughs> How, wait, if, if if your answers are not Mad Max Fury Road, I don't know why I'm doing a show with you guys. I have I have <laughs> no idea what's going on here. That that is the ultimate Charlie Theron film. It is. It's a it's a masterpiece. It's a movie that I cannot believe exists. Who gave him that much money to make that movie that practically? I know there's a lot of CG, but. I mean, what was the what was the the shoot on that? Like six months? It was like it was it was absurd how long they did that uh, shot that film. Um, also, it's not a Mad Max movie; it's her film, uh, which is cool. The movie's called Mad Max Fury Road, but I think it's obviously Furiosa's film. I mean, like she's unbelievable in the movie. Um, the idea that her arm is not there and the way she was able to act and with the green sleeve and it, 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 the whole entirety of that performance emotionally and also on the action side of things is perfect. Uh, she is unbelievable in the role. I mean, it's a role that I never expected to see on screen featured in that much of a leading character in a movie called Mad Max. Um, so I, I love Mad Max Fury Road. No question, hands down, my favorite and best Charlie's Theron film. Jake, is it your pick too? Yes, it is. Ah, all right, go uh, ahead. For, for all the reasons that, that Kevin yeah. said, I mean, it, it takes a lot to be in a movie that's titled after someone and steal the movie mm. from the person the movie is titled after. Uh, she's absolutely incredible. And here's what I'll say is that when Mad Max was over, just two hours of just uh, adrenaline-soaked, uh, just just power, I was left with questions about her character. Not feeling yeah. unfulfilled, but thinking, who is this woman? What is her story? Yeah. What is her, you know? And... Uh, I just thought Charlize absolutely killed it. I think she is uh, one of the most just absolute badass actresses out there. Uh, is able to both be in an action film 
and give a killer performance at the same time. For a lot of people, it's one or the other. Either you're doing an action scene or you're acting. She proves that it is possible to do both at the same time. Not just do both at the same time, but do it and kill it while you're doing it. Agreed. I legit, it, it, it's I, amazing. I legit do not want to derail this game. Oh the my game God. is so much fun. You didn't choose Wait, Mad Max. Are you going with reindeer games? Not only did I not her? choose, did I not choose Mad Max? Is reindeer games? Wait, 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 wait! Are you about to tell us that you don't like Mad Max? Oh my God! You're kidding! No, Jake's kidding. Jake's joking. Jake, he's joking. Don't, don't, don't. I le- don't. I le- this whole episode I legit, feels like a bit. I legit do not like Mad Max. It's, sure, it's right. a bit. Yeah, yeah. You're insane, man. <laughs> uh, Sean, you need, you need you need help, dude. I'm sorry. Here's you need Sean. Help. Here's Sean, my, did we never we have never talked about this? No. Wait, Sean, have we who never are had you? this conversation. Sean, who are you? <laughs> who have we really not had you? this conversation? This makes me so I, I happy because of the anymore. fury that's burbling, 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 bubbling inside I, Kevin right now. I don't, I don't even want, to, I don't even want to keep going with the you, game. You know <laughs> I what? Want, I want to stop the game. Can we stop the game? Sean, you deserve to go to trial and have right. a Mad Max. <laughs> Jury Road put you in prison for the rest of your life. Seriously. He saved the pun game. He saved it. Um, I will give you I will give you in a in a nutshell my issues with Sean, just stop, man. Sean, I don't even want to hear your pick. Can we can we just skip it? Can we skip it? This has been episode number 51 of Real Yeah. (laughs) Good God. Wait, how do you know? Dude, that's all right, come well, on. Well, hold on. Let him speak. Why? Why don't you? Why don't you like that? Okay. I think the stunt work is incredible. Um, I think the physical effects are fantastic. Um, the story didn't hold my attention at all. I, I've mentioned this on the podcast. I know I brought this up. The story is basically they drive one way for a very long time and then they turn around and come back. That's not the happens. story. That is it, nothing that, else that, that is the action that of what happens. It's not the story of what happens. There's, I don't know what the story is. I never uh, figure out what the story is. Her entire story That's is... That's like saying the, that Shawshank is about two guys that hang out in prison. Right. It That's is. ridiculous. But they're interesting. But it, but it oversimplifies um, something. You're, and my, you're, my takeaway from, from Fury Road is always going to be, and this will never change my mind, I would have... I, I, I can't say I would have loved it more. I would have liked it more. Um, it, it needed Mel Gibson. It, didn't, it needed Mel Gibson no, to come back as, as Max. No, that would have been distracting. Because Tom Hardy's not say, a compelling it, I Max. I do think it would have been better with Mel Gibson, yeah. but we're, we're yeah. talking about a movie that I already gave a 10 out of 10. It'd be like why reboot? I don't know why you're rebooting that franchise. It's like yeah. if you do a, another Die Hard movie at this point and someone else plays John McClane. I just Sean, can't. I, I'm Kevin, just going to go ahead and What if they do a agree. Terminator movie and it's not Arnold? Well, they've like, made I, a bunch of other Terminator movies with Arnold and they've been awful after two. Like, three wasn't bad. But, I mean, here's the thing, though. I... I just, just don't understand. I don't understand it. Like, I just don't understand that I have too many problems with it, like, as a thing. I also, I just don't care about the war boys and the spraying the thing in their mouths and all. Like, like the weirdness for weirdness' sake doesn't always work with me. So the fact that the stunts are impressive is great. I think the stunts are great. But, um, but for this reason, my pick is actually Atomic Blonde. I think Atomic Blonde is a better Charlize Theron action movie. I think it's tremendous. I disagree. I like Atomic I mean, Blonde. I was, it's fine. I was torn between Atomic Blonde and Young Adult. I think those two are, are my favorite performances by her. 
in young adult, she's the she's so beautiful. She's so captivating. She plays such an ugly, ugly person. <laughs> I think that that's tough for an actor to do. Um, but but the more com- beyond my pick, my pick doesn't matter anymore. The more compelling <laughs> conversation is the fact that I don't think that Fury Road, I think it's wildly overpraised. I think people lost their minds for it and it's not that good. Yeah, I think you your eyes were blurry road when you saw it. There's no way that that I mean, it's, it's, I can't, jury, dude. No, I can't jury. believe it. Your favorite basketball player is Steph Curry Road. I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. There's a lot happening. And I can't so, I can't let this I go, know, man. I shot I feel like honestly I kind of I do feel a little bit bad because I feel like we've been giving you a hard time this whole podcast. I know. For, no, for, that's for that's fine. That stuff. <laughs> that's the point of the show, basically. People love when we disagree. And it seems and legitimately Every time that I voice an opinion like this, it is, it is a legit opinion. It's something no, I, that I feel. Me, I, I believe it. He, and here's what I'll say. As the lone guy in the group that doesn't love Roma, though I'd like to clarify I don't hate Roma. I don't dislike Roma. I think Roma's fine. But being the it, – it's never easy being that guy. It's never no, easy it's being – it's not. It's and not easy we being – often- and we trump it up like to that extent. Like I don't yeah. hate Fury Road at right. all, but but and and it's always it's always like you come out of a movie and your your gut reaction is we we have all three of us have to trust our gut reactions. And so when I came out of Fury Road, I was like, oh man, I wish they would, I wish they did this. What was the, the what was the point of the story? Oh, it would have been great with Mel. And then of course the reactions come pouring in, and it's the second coming. And I'm like, oh what what? And that that happens often. Um, I'm sure someone out there saw Spider-Verse and was like, it was fine, right? <laughs> As Jake uh, hugs his Roma pillow. So. I will say I will say this. Here's the thing. I jokingly give Sean a hard time. I love him more than anything. He's my brother. Yeah, but these texts you're sending me about him are really mean. <laughs> oh, my phone's not even on because you gave me me put it in airplane mode. Um, but uh, to be honest, like like these reactions that you hear on this podcast – that's just coming from somebody who is, is so in love with these films that I can't imagine someone not liking them. So um, it's the reason we – it sounds like we're giving Sean a hard time. Is, I mean I, I am giving him a hard time because I disagree with him, like violently disagree with him. Um, but uh, that being said, I love Sean and, he, and, and my opinion of Sean doesn't change. But the reason for the oversensitive nature of the way Jake and I react – to certain things like Man of Steel or Forrest Gump or Mad Max, things that we love is that it just because we're passionate about them and we can't I can't imagine someone not thinking the way we do about them. I, I think I don't know if Jake agrees with that, but it, it, you just you feel passionately about something and you go, how could someone not think that way? But it would be like listen. someone telling me that they didn't think Sean was handsome. Right. Yeah, I would ju- I exactly. would I would just go off. Impossible. Impossible. Right. Um, you, you know what Mad Max Fury Road needed and it would have cemented it as an all time oh, classic. Here we go. A Pitbull song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just one, just one Pitbull song. We, we just got him off of that. <laughs> like, oh, what we, about, like when the water finally showed up? Like oh, it could have no. crashed on top of him with no shirt on and he could have just been dancing. <laughs> and it would have transitioned into a the, big musical number. You, you, you good, valuable <laughs> listeners at home. We'll never have the pleasure of seeing what we just saw, which is Sean O'Connell do like a little boogie as he's snapping. And it is the most glorious thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm sprinkling water on me. (laughs) Jesus, Sean, put your shirt back on. That dance is so bad, Max. You got to stop doing that, man. It's terrible. (laughs) By, By the way, I'm trying to make my puns the worst each time I say them because I want Gabe's well, disapproval face, which is my favorite thing. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Finally. 
You're winning. Hey, I just uh, have Jury Road. That's all that matters. You, that Jury Road got me. Win. Jury Road got me. <laughs> uh, let's do audience picks for Theron Blend. We have Danny Gurch, Robert Shivery, and many others sided with you guys. They picked Mad Max Fury Road. Patrick Knight says Men of Honor. And Kyler Perry says it's his New Year's resolution. Oh, this is really cool. Kyler Perry said this is New Year's resolution to never miss a blend game. He's going to play every single week Love uh, it. on social media. Love he picked it. Monster. You know which one I wanted to pick also, too, was Devil's Advocate. Um, now, that is a great movie. movie. You just redeemed yes. yourself. That I is an amazing movie. You need to, you need to replace yeah. Keanu Reeves in that movie. Keanu Reeves what? is not good in that movie. He's a Keanu man. Reeves is not. Have you ever Advocate, been to Louisiana? Man. Do you know what oh, people in Louisiana on. sound like? I like Devil's Advocate. That is the Kevin. worst. That is the worst <laughs> accent. And he's done some bad accents. That's By the way, that movie wow, gave me nightmares. Is it Charlize's character who goes, like, she goes, see? And, like, like her mouth, like, opens up in the, with the mirror. Remember? She has, like, a mirror in front of her face. And, like, the lady behind her goes, like, see? And then doesn't, like, she kill herself? Oh, I think so. Charlize well, yeah, Theron's no, character. The, the part that I remember is when she disrobes and she's got cuts all over her body. Oh, like, she God. sliced herself all up. That movie was um, because scary. Because she's being manipulated by the... And, 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 you know, that movie gets knocked around because of Pacino overacting. And he believed it was wildly overacting. It. But he's really fun. But the movie itself is actually pretty good. It's really entertaining. And I'm glad that Jake mentioned Keanu's horrible accents because... Next week's game, which everybody can start playing right now on social media, hashtag Keanu Blend. We're going to play the film of Wick 3 Reeves. is my pick. You can't, you can't pick John Wick 3. We haven't seen it. It's not, so just, I know it's Tuesday in New Zealand. To clarify, <laughs> and, and, I, and I know we, we've touched on this a thousand times, but I feel like, like we're picking our favorite performance or our favorite film that he's in. Because with Keanu, that could be really va- that could be very vastly different. I don't know. Favorite. I, I oh I always thought we were picking favorite movie that they're in. However, with Charlize, wh- someone asked us on social whether that thing you do counts because she's in it. Yeah, but I, I so. said no. I vetoed it down. Oh really? I said no. She's barely in it. She's a tiny. You don't part. speak on behalf of this podcast. You vetoed it down. I, <laughs> I'm, you know I need control of the Real Blend Twitter account. I've got some things I'd like our account to say. Sean, I have some breaking news about Chris Pine. Did you guys hear about his favorite Mickey Rourke movie? No. What is it? Chris Diner. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Yes. Okay. Hashtag, hashtag Keanu Blend for next week. Uh, I, I think it's your favorite movie that they're in. I think, but they have to actually be in it. Like, Charlize Theron, like, Charlize Theron is not really in that thing you do. What's Chris That's Pine's favorite fruit? Is it uh, Chris Jesus. Clementine? Okay. <laughs> Clementine. Sorry. It- How do you not go with pineapple? <laughs> is that not obvious? I have to be up in like three hours. We will be back next week. Pineapple. Uh, <laughs> tune in. Tune in next week. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks Dunkirk. so much. Appreciate it. Dunkirk. Roma. Dunkirk. Roma. Dunkirk. The solo name scene. Dunkirk. Who are your people? Dunkirk. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.